You are listening. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Listening to the Dope Black Moms Podcast. I'm delighted to be here with Dr. Natasha Gorda Jim Perry. Sorry, I keep on wrong. Chippenberry. Chip <laughs> Writer, editor, coach, author, and mum of two. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. So right now I just wanted to get mum to mum and just just hear some some home mum truths okay. from you. So big one, big one to start with, but what does motherhood mean to you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Mm. Motherhood for me is the most sacred gift that anyone can get. And so mm. I am eternally grateful for my two children. I have a son and a daughter, and I always say they are my heart walking outside of my body. So they are precious, precious. And even though I understand myself as a scholar, as a wife, as a yoga teacher, as a professor, as a writer, uh, my identity as a mother is the one I think before all others that I cherish the most. I love being a mother. Oh, I just beamed, <laughs> beamed listening through all of that. That is just so well put, just beautiful. Okay, next question. What would you tell your younger mum self and would you listen? Hmm. You know, I'm a Sagittarian, so I have a very hard head. <laughs> but mm. I, what I would say to my younger mom self is to do better financially, like have some financial literacy. I am the child of immigrants who came and worked very hard in the United States. Um, My parents are retired. You know, they're very, they're comfortable. But I mean, I am certainly not a trust fund baby in any way, shape or form. Um, And I, I really think that if I had an understanding of financial literacy, I could have made different kinds of investments that perhaps could, in thinking generationally, right? So my children and their children where I could um, set them up in different kinds of ways because, you know, I work incredibly hard to provide the things, my husband and I could, to provide the things, tuition, like education is a priority for us. You know, our kids were in private schools, both in Costa Rica and um, in the United States. And so, and my son is, like I said, is in university. My daughter's waiting for college acceptances now. And so I think that we work really hard, but perhaps if my younger self had a deeper sense of financial literacy, the we could have, we could have, I could have as a younger person maybe had different kinds of investments that mm. perhaps could be blooming now at this time when the kids are going to university that um, could have been a little bit more helpful. 
you know, even though, of course, I do, you know, I mean, we have, I have good, I have a good work, but at the same time, I work very hard. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. Really good point and good, good for us all to know. So now having older children, is there any additional words looking back for mothering teens? Yeah, all the silence maybe says it all. I have to say, I was so lucky. I didn't have, my kids were really good kids. Like I didn't have, Okay. Um, my kids were not the kind of kids that climbed out the window at night to run away, you know, but also we are in, we had a family, we have a family where we talk about everything. So um, I think that my kids have a certain type of freedom that they really appreciate and they see it in different households, you know, with their friends, their peers, that their friends don't necessarily have the same types of freedom. And so I think that when you, when you, when you feel limited, sometimes you want to push against your parents Um I've, I've never punished my children. I mean, because I didn't have to, we had to have conversations, but the idea of, you know, I'm taking away your cell phone or we, right. it was sort of like, or I'm, you know, you're grounded. And I mean, my kids don't, no one shouts that. I mean, no one's using, you know, curse words. It's not, that's not how I've raised my children. If I was just like, I need everybody inside at this time and you can bring your friends, that's fine. Or this is the bedtime bedtime is, and we're going to, you know, but I've given, I've given them a lot of space, but a lot of it had to do with the fact, I think that, you know, my husband and I have always a hundred percent been on the same page. So my kid was never going to be like, okay, well, mom, Mom said no, but I'm going to go ask dad. You know, dad's mm. going to say, and what did mom say? You right. We, were, we are. Uh, mm. So I would say in parenting, that has been a blessing. Plus my husband as an artist, as a musician, he has been able to really do a lot of the emotional lifting um, with our kids. Right? He's incredibly close. Like my daughter, you know, they watch basketball together. They have all these philosophical mm. conversations. Um, but even in, in growing up, our kids, you know, had to see the world around them. But we were very honest and open about the things that were there. We didn't shelter them in that way. So if they had questions, we answered them to the best of our ability. But it, we were always a united front and we remained that way. I think that's brilliant. And I think there can sometimes be, um, you know, you're given two choices of to take the easier road or the harder road. And sometimes when children ask you questions, historically maybe it might be easy to kind of um fob mm-hmm. them off like give a kind of nonsensical or, or superficial popcorn sort of answer but just sitting down and really tr- telling them the truth and I think children can handle most things if it's mm-hmm. the truth so sitting down and just what it sounds like having these open conversations where they may have been difficult you know some people may shy away from those moments having to sit down and have those talks but it looks, it sounds like it It was the bedrock for you all. So Absolutely. that's great to hear that word. I think that, you know, I can just say, honestly, those conversations didn't happen in my house. And so I think in mm-hmm. t- being, um, you know, trying to be a different type of parent where yes. I, you know, I mean, like we were, we were very, very clear 
that my daughter, um, her voice was to be celebrated, right? So the idea of, because I grew up sort of in a, a very traditional kind of patriarchal space where it was like, you know, you, you can't be too loud. Don't talk too much. And so we were very, very clear that we were celebrating her, her voice, her intelligence. You know, she could speak in, in any context. And we asked her opinion. And she's a very opinionated, almost 18 year old right now, but she can, mm-hmm. she can walk into any space because we were really clear that never silencing her because we understand the way that patriarchy and misogyny works Mm, mm. did you note any differences or did you make any intentional differences from your from mothering parenting your first to your second child is anything yes yeah anything that changed yes um we gave them access to i mean what you know whatever one got the other one got but i would say that as my son went uh, was in high school probably by the time and they have very different personalities but I would say that like in his senior year of high school thinking about my daughter's senior year in high school now it was a very different experience we gave him lots of freedom he was he's very very social so he went out on the weekends he partied a lot he he you know he had friends come over um, th- that was that was part of who he is um, Um, And so, you know, in trying to figure out, hmm, you know, did you come home drunk? Like what, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, what that meant. And so it was sort of like, okay, you did drink. Okay, so you're a kid and at least you're home safely. Um, You know, there's a curfew, but okay, so just hydrate. And, you know, it's not like I'm not going to punish you. You're a kid. I mean, you're figuring it out. You know, I mean, you're not vomiting all over my house, but I understand that you are trying to figure out who you are socially. And so, you know, we did that with my daughter. I think a lot of her formative high school years, particularly 10th grade, was during COVID. And so my daughter has become very much a homebody and she really enjoys it, right? She loves it. I mean, she has a, like a, a really small clique of best friends and, you know, she has her dog, she has her dad, you know, and so she is very much that person. Like I can just be at home. So even the idea of her being social and going out, it, it's not something that she asked to do so much, like going to a club or anything. That's not even something that she's really interested in where my son was like you know every Friday and Saturday night he was like trying to be at the club right <laughs> so or, or somebody's party and it's so interesting because now as a senior in university he doesn't do any of that stuff you know he is so serious minded he's applying for jobs in graduate school and you know he'll have you know hang out with friends but his whole world is different and I'm so happy that that you know my husband and I sort of backed up and gave him the space to really figure out who he was so that he could kind of not necessarily grow out of it but he could his values would change right and yes of course you should be social and do all that but you know he needed to experiment and I'm happy that Costa Rica is also the kind of place where it was safe to do that um 
but yeah, I think that that was, that's the only difference. And it's really based on their personalities. It's not like we wouldn't allow my daughter to yeah. go out to do those things. But I, I guess I would be a little bit, a little bit more worried in the sense of just, she's a young woman. She's fairly naive, even though Costa Rica is safe. You know, my, the idea of someone assaulting her or just making her uncomfortable, you know, it gives me a lot, you know, gives me worry, you know? Of course, of course. Of course. That's really interesting. I, I just love hearing the journey and how the, I, I like hearing the tensionality, but obviously basing this on their personalities as well and giving everybody that mm-hmm. space. That's, that's beautiful to hear. Um, do you have a self-care practice? Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Um, and I'm not a hundred percent good at it, but I, I do have it. And I know, I know that about myself. Um, so during COVID, right, right as, um, lockdown, March, 2020, um, what happened was right after George Floyd was murdered, there was, um, an outcry of, you know, people just saying, look, we want accountability. And I had, I was a regular practicer of, of yoga, vinyasa yoga here in Costa Rica. I had a studio that I went to three or four times a week that was just up the street for me. My, when we went into lockdown, my yoga teacher um, went online live. So the classes would be, you know, it would be virtual and we would just work in our own homes with our maps or whatever. And I continued doing that all through COVID. But then, you know, I had joined a bunch of sort of online black yoga spaces, you know, just for community as well. And looking for, you know, people who who look more like me because I was the only black person in my yoga class here in, in Costa Rica. And um, but I felt welcome. That wasn't it. But, you know, I, w- I was conscious that I was, you know, the only black person in the space. And um, there was a yoga scholarship that was or- that was created by a woman named Michelle Young, who owns um, my vinyasa practice, which is based out of Texas. And I guess some people really called her to task. They were like, you, you know, on your mission, on your website, you say that you are inclusive and that you, you know, you support people of color in terms of yoga teacher training and people, but only white people show up in your space as teachers and mm. as students and it is not inclusive. And so what are you going to do about it? And she was like, okay, here's my commitment. I am opening up for one month. Anybody who wants to sign up, I'm going to give full, fully funded scholarships for you to become a yoga teacher online with active oh. mentorship. And I mean, it was a lot of, you know, even though the material was online, you still had a mentor you had to have live chats with. And then you had to do all these videos where you were sequencing classes, you were teaching classes. So it was not for the faint of heart, but you could technically, mm-hmm. if you worked on it every day, you could get it done in eight weeks. And that is exactly the break I had for the summer break that year in 2020. Oh. And 
I love when everything aligned. I mean, literally mm. to the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I became a yoga teacher, and so yoga is my is my self care practice. Definitely, when I come mm. home from work, um, I will do yoga. When on the weekends, I wake up. I, my mat is right here in my bedroom, like right by my bed, and so I literally get out the bed and go to the mat. Um, and it has been since eight and a half years. So I would say eight and a half years of consistent, consistent practice. Amazing. Yeah. So that that's where I go. And it's also a space of meditation and prayer and focus um, and just stretching, you know, as you get into an older mm-hmm. body, you know, and you're sitting mm-hmm. in chairs. And if I'm writing and teaching, I, I need that kind of movement. You know, I used to be in my younger days, a gym rat, you know, I was always on spin class and I was always doing those things, but my body d- does not need that kind of movement and acceleration anymore. It can't handle it, you know, as an older person, but also somebody who's left the grind and pace of New York, my relationship with time is different. And so I'm Mm. much more interested in what yoga can do for me as an inner, as an inner practice, you know, even though there's movement. This year, we're seeing more children with illnesses caused by respiratory infection and strep A than in previous years. Although these infections are usually mild and easily treated, some can be serious. It is important to be alert whilst monitoring your child and know when to seek medical help. Bernardo's offers free information and guidance in multiple languages to help spot the signs of respiratory infection or strep A, how to look after your child at home, and where to get help if you need it. For support on how best to manage your child's health and their services available to you, visit families.bernardos.org.uk slash health. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. Do you journal as well? Like, can you really track the differences in physically emotionally just the space you have Mm. now to eight years ago I mean eight years ago there was no yeah I didn't I really didn't do yoga I mean at times if I if I had some time you know before picking up the kids maybe I would take a yoga class but I was sort of the Mm. pace I was in I would choose a spin class that was much sort of adrenaline faster or have a run on the treadmill more so than taking a yoga class Um, and I would do swimming that's what we did on Fridays we joined the Y when we were in New York and on Fridays there was a family swim time so I would do that with the kids um, on Fridays particularly in the winter when we needed more movement Um, but I, I mean I think you know I have written some pieces about um, that actually just submitted uh, a piece for Mantra Wellness Magazine um, about becoming a yoga teacher and sort of tracking the changes over time. Um, I definitely know how to meditate and do breath work and I incorporate it into my teaching. So I do a lot of that with my students. I do mudras, meaning hand movements. I do a lot of journaling with them, but I don't personally journal myself. Mm. Now I was just wondering, just eight years, I was just wondering, I could imagine how transformative this would have been for you physically. Mm-hmm but also mentally and how that would um, filter into your life. Like you might have kind of practically, I can imagine, say your lung capacity mm-hmm. has expanded and physically I can imagine the flexibility, but I was just wondering, is there anything else 
I don't know, maybe go into situations where you were overly fearful or just things that you can just see emotionally, how you would tackle things might absolutely. be different or maybe, yeah, absolutely. I can Particularly that, thinking yeah. about the breath, like making sure I'm not mm. holding my breath and thinking about, okay, this is stressful. Like in the morning before I get mm-hmm. out of bed, there are a couple of yoga exercises that I do just to like, I do tapping for my heart. You know, I wake up my, um, my digestive system. I, you know, I, I make sure that my spine, you know, I mean, there are just certain things that, that are just intrinsic because yoga is such a part of my life um and 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 I said it's something you know where um my students might say oh I have difficulty with this or this and I'm like okay well try yoga nidra here or you know um here is yin yoga and and sometimes like during COVID I did a lot of karma classes which are classes that you just give for free um online with family members and you know just get I got on the zoom and I was like whoever wants to do yoga with me tonight you know an hour's practice mostly was restorative sometimes like legs up the wall there was always a meditation component and I really love doing that I love that I love that um I often um do some basic breathing with my children and um they're five and seven so young and I've done this since they were younger as well and we call it rainbow breathing so like doing a rainbow with our arms and bringing it back in again over our heads just to really be able to count and when they were really really young I used to make them lie on their lie on their backs and put their favorite um cuddly toy on their chest or their belly and just breathe and watch it go up and down mm-hmm. really just to basically I was trying to think of things that can get them to focus on the breath because their mind um can be so active mm-hmm. but I think it's I think that's wonderful that you've um that you've developed your practice so much. Thank you. Um oh well, and your relationship to yoga as well and all that gives for breathing just um I can imagine what that's done. Okay, lastly I just wanted to ask um or kind of any any offerings or any thoughts. So motherhood can obviously it it is the one of the greatest uh gifts that we can all have but also can be incredibly challenging. Um, I'm sure there's been moments where it's just felt overwhelming. Um, it might have felt um, like you couldn't really see, you know, you're kind of in a fog and can't really see the way out. I was just wondering if you had any any words to offer that have helped you through those times um, or, or, yeah, any advice on just you know when you just feel like you're doing everything mm-hmm. wrong and you're just kind of coming up with resistance no matter what age your children are but there are just some moments where I've just been like I cannot do anything right um so basically any advice that got you through those moments or um any words to mothers who are listening who may be feeling like they're in those that that season mm-hmm. right now oh yeah so You know, when my kids were little, I was very much totally hands-on, right? So I was the mom who made the cupcakes and 
know, attended the meetings <laughs> and, and I, I was, and I, and I had a job, right. And I, yeah. I was deeply inside of that. You know, I, I we cooked food, we mm-hmm. sat down to dinner, we had our rituals like Christmas tree. We'd go get that. We, you know, my kids, I didn't put them in, in summer camp. I always, because I had the summers off, I had always set up something where we were going to travel. Um, and so I choose a destination and we would just, you know, go and, you know, usually it was a beach destination if it wasn't Costa Rica. Um, we go to Florida for like a month and I just rent a house on the beach or I'd go to Mexico and, you know, and I would just do that with the kids because I wanted them to have other experiences. And I was very intentional, like, okay, this is what I'm doing next year. And I'm going to put some money aside so we can plan this. Um, and I was so busy in terms of making sure they had all the learning support they needed. I, you know, every parent teacher meeting, I was that person. And then in moving to Costa Rica, I, I was just so exhausted. <laughs> it was, I was so tired. Um, and once they, I found that they were settled and I could have some space for myself because the, as I said, the first year we got to Costa Rica, it was the first year I didn't actually work. I had a research fellowship. So I was working on my novel. So I was at home. And that was how I was able to kind of pick up my yoga practice and start doing some things for me. And so, you know, I think about now my, I'm going to be an empty nester as of September. And, you know, the things that I look back, I think I, to to be honest, I'm a fantastic mother, even in all the flaws and everything that, you know, I believe I really show up for my children and I show up for my children in ways that are not perfect, which actually shows them how much I love them. There's no pretense, right? Because I, I'm not doing that superwoman, super mom thing. It doesn't work. And so I think that the thing that I have sort of given up, if I could say like to to other moms, the thing that I have definitely walked away from is preparing food. It's something I don't enjoy. I am definitely, I know I am definitely going to be like a salad and crackers person as soon as my children, as soon as I'm an empty nester, um, I will make dinner, but the whole rituals, I mean, I was so meticulous about that. Packing the lunches. I hate packing lunches. I hate it. I I mean, it's just, you know, but I do it. And so, but Mm -hmm. but I have to be honest with myself, right? That these are things that I didn't like in the performance of of motherhood. And in some ways, you know, it's just kind of like my husband says, well, they should be making their lunches themselves. Nobody made it for me. And I was like, well, that's okay. If I'm, you know, if I'm doing it for myself, I don't mind doing it for them because perhaps there's something else that they're enjoying doing. Um, And my kids are not like gamers or, you know, I mean, they're like, you know, reading or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. I just, in, in looking back, you know, I feel like fundamentally, I provided my children with a safe place where their voices and their, their gut reactions and their instincts and their values and sort of their moral compass is incredibly strong. And that's pretty much all I really want. <laughs> I mean, like if they have a strong yeah. moral compass and they can be find themselves in any situation where they can articulate themselves and advocate for themselves and someone else, if need be, they're not just going to be bystanders. Then I believe that, you know, the initial work, job I have my done. job done. And mm. so, no, you're not going to have dinner. Call Uber Eats. I mean, 
<laughs> to be available. But if I come in from work and I've done yoga and I've taken a shower and I just want to lay in bed and listen to some music, then yeah, that's kind of what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. do that. And, and, I've, and mm. I've worked for that place. But I understand that because some people are like, don't you love to cook? Not really. I mean, I'll cook for a party, but the, the sort of the monotony of making dinner every night or I'm like, oh, so that's my thing. I would yeah. just say, you know. I- I, I think that's, I, I do know, I know exactly what you mean. I have to write myself notes because I um, I just lose, I, I lose the will of just, just the creativity to kind of think I've got to do it mm. again. And I love food and I love cooking, but mm-hmm. because of I love food, I, like you, I have to cook fresh. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't cut any corners. So then you have to think of meals every single day. So I think it's great you've you've released yourself from that. That's just yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank Again, thank you for sharing so openly and, and sharing so much of yourself in your life. And I just really appreciate everything um, and how generous you've been. What's what's next for you and where can we find out and follow your journey? Well, I am still promoting my book, Finding La Negrita. That is very much part of kind of my current world. You know, I am actually having my first book launch here in Costa Rica on February 25th. Um, And then I think there's going to be like a Zoom option as well. Um, And then I am working on my next novel, which is also historical fiction called Naomi. And it is a very loose rendering of my great grandmother's story leaving Jamaica and coming to Costa Rica in 1908. Mm. So I'm hoping if all goes well, I will have that done within the next two years, possibly three, because it is historical fiction. So it's steeped in research, um, which I've done a lot of already. And yeah, that's the next book project. But right now I'm still, you know, inside of Finding La Negrita and trying to get it in classrooms. That's what I'm really interested in. I'm really interested in folks teaching the book. And then, you know, I'd love to be invited to have conversations with their students. Good luck with the book and good luck with the mission. Just again, thank you so much. And congratulations on everything you are achieving. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Pleasure to talk to you. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Moms. Thanks so much for listening. 